0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Neil World Order Podcast. Um, it's been a few weeks, again. Uh, last weekend, I was fortunate enough to spend some time in Frankfurt, Kentucky, uh, part of the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. You see, a while back, for some for some time anyways, uh, I was looking into doing a tour of Buffalo Trace Distillery. Not sure you guys <clears throat> are aware of this. If you're uh, into whiskey and bourbon and history and all that. But the tours at Buffalo Trace are actually free. That's the easy part. But the hard part is you have to try to make a reservation or your reservation in ways a month in advance to the day you want to go. And it's very tough. Uh, I have yet to click on or previously click on one and there be an open reservation. They're all full. So, uh, one night, your boy, having a few bourbons uh, down here after the podcast, decided I would venture on their site since it was late at night, uh, you know, after midnight, and look for reservations. Well, of course, there were zero available. But uh, this time, I happened to notice that you could put yourself on a waiting list. And I think I talked about this anyways. So I did, and I believe I did for like almost every day in June. And I got lucky uh, a few weeks ago, maybe about a month ago. And I got a reservation for the Old Taylor Tour. I think I, you could do, there's like a Buffalo Tour, Buffalo Trace Tour, Old, uh, old Taylor for the E.H. Taylor. Blanton's and maybe like Eagle Rare or a Pappy Tour something well or i anyways there's like four or five to choose from my reservation was for uh, this past monday and i thought to myself what a better way to spend the new pretend holiday of juneteenth so upon getting this reservation i then approached the wife about this pending possible trip to bourbon country something i've talked about but before but was always usually kind of like a guy staying with you know me and my cousins with adam and john and jay or brandon and some of the guys anyways kai was she was in uh she's a trooper she loves to road trip so i looked for some other distilleries in the area i mean like you know that's the whole bourbon trail area so most of them are all within about 45 minutes or so of uh, Frankfort, kentucky which is also the capital of kentucky for um anyone who wants to know sorry my wife just texted me something anyways um, so we booked we booked a tour at I I guess I booked a tour uh, and tasting at Woodford Reserve and Four Roses as well Uh, Buffalo Trace is the only free one and though I I really wanted to do Castle and Key um, their tour was a little pricey but I knew like a lot of the distillers in the area you could visit the grounds regardless of whether you paid for a tour or a tasting, see the grounds and uh shop their distinguished liquor stores as well most of uh and I, you know for those of you who aren't aware most of these distilleries ha- have really cool grounds um you know they're they're older buildings, and we're talking like you know it could be. 50s 100 200 years old uh, you can walk around take pictures you know you have access to their stores like i was saying and the cool part um, about the stores aside from all the cool merch they have inside is the whiskey is sold at msrp so you're not paying the crazy prices that you see in your area Uh, for instance my bottles of buffalo Trace were 27 dollars the Weller Special Reserve was thirty dollars. E. Eh Taylor was forty-five. Where, you know, as far as he, in my area for those same bottles, if you're lucky, you pay forty. You could have there's stores you're asking two hundred, you know, or eighty dollars for a bottle of Buffalo Trace, and, and I love every bit of it. Um, but those are crazy. I'm not going to pay those kind of prices because there's also other stores in the area that sell them at regular price. Um, Other cool thing about being there, you get special releases that oftentimes are just sold at the distillery, you know, or things that aren't in massive allocation. You know, I live in Wisconsin, there in Kentucky, there's probably a lot of product that doesn't make its way all the way up here. Uh, While we were at Four Roses, I actually got a single barrel private select bottle that they only release a few times a year and they're only sold at their distillery If you're a bourbon, if you're a bourbon, ah, if you you are a bourbon person like I am, these are pretty cool gets, Um, and Four Roses was a beautiful facility, Uh, newer grounds, as opposed to a lot of the other uh, facilities, uh, they, you know, still have a rich history, but um, we did a tasting there, uh, got to enjoy their bourbons. And the cool thing about Four Roses, I'll say, uh, is they they have amazing bourbon. And most of it you can find in your local liquor store or grocery store, however they sell it, Costco, and it won't break you. Uh, The private select bottle did set me back $100, but that's something you're not, that's not an everyday get. You know, but as far as their small batch, or just the regular single barrel or just four roses you're looking at 25 to 50 dollars and it's as good or better than a lot of things that sell for a whole lot more it's a great product uh, you know they have a rich history as well and if you're you know into bourbon and I said and you like four ro- the grounds are beautiful uh, they had bo- all their bottles dating back on this one wall I believe if you follow me on social media it was on the Facebook page um or maybe on my wife's it's definitely worth ch- checking out if you're doing a little bourbon trip a lot of my friends um y'all that live in tennessee you're looking my parents came up for a couple days and it, it's only about like a three and a half hour trip i mean you lose an hour because it's eastern time i and, well i hate eastern time you know, I hated it when I lived in Florida, uh, where I lived in Tennessee was middle Tennessee, so we were central t- Central time, but I literally hate eastern time, and I, I don't know why, it's just one of those things that really just, mm. anyways, hang on, just a mo- uno momento. oh, okay, um, so we uh, went to Woodford Reserve, which was another beautiful place. Nestled back in between uh, a couple of very rich um, horse farms. You know, Kentucky's also famous for horse racing. Uh, the f- One of the horse farms next door is actually the home of 2015 Triple Crown winner American Pharaoh. And I believe that's where he studs out. And they probably sell his jizz for tons of money to try to breed more uh, race horses, if we're putting it lightly or in plain man whatever terms mm. it is very good woodford had um amazing products as well a lot like four roses you can find the woodford uh reserve everywhere you know a lot of bourbon enthusiasts love their straight bourbon whiskey um everyone kind of goes gaga over their double oaked i think the double oaked is, is really good uh me personally i like this their straight bourbon whiskey better you know and a bottle of woodford reserve won't send you to the poor house i mean you can get bottles i got a regular bottle of the straight bourbon whiskey in uh orlando for like 26 29 but i've seen them go as much as 40 so you're looking at 30 to 60 dollars. Uh, they do have some very elite special products that can run into the thousands but for the most part, you can get yourself an amazingly smooth bourbon for about $40. I tell people that, you know, that have been drinking Jack or Jim and I don't know, Dickel or whatever, and they're looking to get into something nice. They don't want to drop a zillion dollars. You know, I was like, get you a bottle of Woodford Reserve. It, 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 it's a great drink. Um, it's, I mean, it, it's good. You, it's an everyday drink. You know, it's not something that you like that has that real kind of flavor where you don't want it all the time or whatever but um while i was there i I actually got uh their weeded bourbon Uh, i'd never had it before the tasting Um, here lately i have found that i really enjoy the weeded bourbons more so than pretty much the way the weeded bourbons work is you know they have more wheat than corn uh or more wheat than rye the rye is kind of what gives it that little burn so, um, they're usually, you know, like I said, less bite, less burn and incredibly smooth. You know, not sometimes n- they can be a little sweeter anyways, but I loved their Woodford River, the uh, Woodford Reserve, uh, Weed of Bourbon. And so I brought a bottle home, said it was 40 bucks, not a, not a bad, uh, not a bad buy. I did the tasting with my pops. That was really cool. It was his birthday. And, you know, it was cool to enjoy. It, it, and I think sometimes that's the cool thing about this is um, enjoying a bottle with your friends, with your family. You know, a lot of times the bottle, there's a story behind every bottle, behind the distilleries. You know, it's something you share as you are drinking the bottle. You don't just, you know. And I think the important thing is, you know, when I was younger, you know, we used to shoot with, you'd just shoot, you know, shots of Jim, shots of Jack. And, and, and that's not really... There's no wrong way to drink any of it, but I don't think that's really how it's intended to be uh, drank. I like to savor it. Um, I, I'm actually, right now, I guess to go off script, is uh, I'm drinking a... I opened my bottle of Eagle Rare. It's the only one I have. Eagle Rares, you know, from the Buffalo Trace family, aged 10 years. I actually picked this up at Liquor World in Cookville, Tennessee. That guy was great. Um, I had to buy a couple store picks to get it, but... They let me sample the store picks and they were, I liked them. I think I've only opened one of them of the, I ended up with eight bottles of stuff just because I bought an EH, a Weller and the Eagle Rare. But this is my first time having Eagle Rare and it's aged 10 years. So it's a darker, there's a little more oak to it, but it's, it. Is, this is delicious. Like, I feel like I'm going to want to drink this more and more, um, but you know, I try, to, I try to be careful with my bottles. I have one of's. Because you never know when you're going to get another one. But uh, back to Woodford Reserve, they had a variety of tours as well. You could do there, uh, as well as the tastings. You know, it, it all just depends on what your experience is. You know, there's only so many ways you tell yourself to make the bourbon. And, and the tours are cool. You know, tours can range from 30 minutes to hour and a half, two hours, where tasting goes, sometimes, you know, 30, 45 minutes, and you kind of get a little bit, you know, it it just depends on what you're there for. It's all cool. I tell, you know, you just got to find out what works for you. Um, We visited uh, Castle and Key Distillery and walked around the amazing grounds of what actually used to be the Old Taylor Distillery. That had been owned and operated by Colonel E. H. Taylor and his sons, I believe, eighteen eighty-seven to nineteen twenty. Castle and Key actually purchased this abandoned distillery for nine hundred fifty thousand. Nine hundred fifty thousand. It is—I can't even explain to you how beautiful these grounds are. The buildings—it's um, just—it's it, it, just cool. Uh, in twenty fifteen, they named uh, Marianne Barnes their master distiller. She became the first female master distiller since Prohibition. Uh, you know, it's not something a lot of women are going into. It's a male-dominated industry. You know, more often than not, it's kind of a recipe that's passed down from family members. You'll find in a lot of these distilleries, it's you know someone who's the family of the family of the family, and it kind of goes downhill like that. The distillery uh, Castle and Key actually took its name from the castle-like architecture. Of the buildings. Which you can see online. Or like I said I posted. There's pictures on their social media. Beautiful place. And there's a key shaped appearance. Of their spring house. Upon purchasing the property. uh, They hired groundskeepers. And began bringing the facility back to life. And they did an amazing job. It is truly. A beautiful place. It almost felt more like a park. Than a distillery. And it's just. You, when you're there, like, even my wife, I said, you know, who's not a very bourbon-oriented person, you know, doesn't really drink, like, was in love with the grounds at Castle and Key. And actually, in 2017, the, the grounds at Castle and Key were named to the National Historic Registry. They released their first product in 2020, which was actually Restoration Rye Bourbon. I was fortunate enough to get a bottle tonight at my local Piggly Wiggly I was pretty excited about that just because I know that's a hard find uh they didn't actually have any at the distillery when we were there and then in March of last year they released their small batch Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey which was the first bourbon distilled on that historic site in nearly five decades I I have a bottle of that I've yet to open it um I got myself the straight bourbon whiskey. I purchased Brandon a bottle of the straight bourbon weeded whiskey. So we're anxious on a upcoming bourbon sessions, which we've got to work out the details for the next two. I know people are, have been asking me about that, but um, we have a lot of product to try for that. We may be able to get 50 more episodes with all the product that is uh, now up on the shelves behind me. But, if if you get a chance to go to Bourbon, you know, like I said, the Bourbon tri- I I highly recommend going to see the grounds at Castle and Key. Like I said, they have tours, and depending on what you want to spend on tours and stuff like that, that look like some really cool stuff, but we're talking, you know, a couple hundred dollars, um, you know, and it's like, you know, I, I'd rather buy product than, you know, a lot of the history and stuff. There's videos online, there's documentaries you can read on it. You, you can walk and pretty much see the whole grounds. You know, obviously you don't get into the fermenting and the rick houses and all of that without the tours, but it's, it's still really cool, and I'd highly re- recommend go walking around. They have a little bar on site. The store is beautiful. Um, I would like to do a tour there at some point, um, but, you know, I think with a lot of these places being able to see some of the behind-the-scenes stuff... It, it, is is really an experience as well in itself <clears throat> and then um let's see you know frankfurt was cool you know like since it's the capital of kentucky i feel like the towns you know a lot of the people i talked to i actually talked to a, a rep for a uh, a liquor a liquor company when i was at one of the liquor stores you know i thought okay hey they're here all this you're going to find great product and so on and so forth. I actually got my castle and key at a liquor store there and we picked up something for a friend of ours as well. Um, little c- cool mom and pop restaurants. There was a place we ate downtown. It was kind of like an old diner theme, amazing burger. I had a uh, super quick, great service, you know, just like a little <clears throat> downtown place. We ate at a place on the river one day. Um, really cool. I just, it was, it was a cool area. I think it's going to be one of those areas as, you know, depending on how the bourbon craze goes, that continues to grow. And, you know, as they see more tourism come through, we stayed at like a VRBO. Uh, We're not much into hotels much anymore. I like the VRBO aspect because you have like a house and do your own thing. The cool thing, the first uh, we got there on a Friday, Saturday morning, you know, kind of walked out on the porch to see what the weather would be like. You could smell the f- the fermentation in the air. And it was like this best smell. And I joked with uh, one of the guys at Buffalo Trace. And I was like, Just, do, you, do you ever get tired of that smell? And they were like, no, man, you, you really don't. You know, and we, we stopped by Buffalo Trace every day. Uh, because they do different releases at their shop daily. You know, those of you who are familiar with bourbon and all that kind of understand that. The first day I was on Saturday, I was actually able to score some Weller Special Reserve, which to some people is not a big thing. It's very hard to find at a decent price around here. It's another weeded bourbon I enjoy. So I was able to get two bottles. Uh, I got Brandon in bottle, bottle as well. Uh, As well as some more Buffalo Trace, Uh, my daughter actually got me this really cool E.H. Taylor bar mat for the bar as part of my Father's Day gift, which I was super excited for. Um, You know, we kind of took a few pictures that day. It was kind of after Woodford Reserve, and we'd done a couple other things, and then we were going to eat. So, uh, you know, and my parents wanted to get back on the road. They kind of came in Friday, Saturday. They, They gave my daughter a car. So it was kind of they were doing us a favor, meeting us there as well as hanging out with us for a bit. And it was it was really cool. It was my dad's birthday. So that was really cool. Um, on, on our second visit to Buffalo Trace, I was like, okay, let's go by early in the morning. So whatever it is, you know, we can get in line and um, get something really good. Because the first day it was like one thirty, and they still had Weller, which was really cool. Um <laughs> On our way to Four Roses, we're like, okay, we, we don't have to be at Four Roses to one. Let's go by here. It was insane. I have, last time I, it was like every video you've ever seen on TikTok or Facebook or Reels or whatever. I hadn't seen that many people lined up somewhere since like Disney World was about, like an opening day of a Disney World or I don't even think I've ever seen anything like that, a July 4th weekend at Cedar Point. The parking lot was full. They weren't even letting people come in anymore. People were being dropped off. Turns out it was Blanton's day. Um, I have a bottle of Blanton's, but Blanton's is a very hard get. I I knew I'm waiting in the line, I wasn't going to get anything. Uh, the we came back later in the afternoon. You know, think oh maybe there'll be something left. Obviously there wasn't. I believe I got another bottle of Buffalo Trace. You can get one bottle of Buffalo Trace a day uh, with the special releases like the EH Taylor the eagle rare blantons or the weller special reserve there's four of them that they do you can buy one every 90 days you know fortunate for me the one day we went in there I had my dad my mom my wife and myself so that was each person could do it and then the next day you know when it was just Kai and myself there was nothing you know so I think I got we got some t-shirts And uh, some stuff for the bar. And I got another bottle of Buffalo Trace. But it was was just crazy to see that line anyways. And they say apparently that's kind of what the Blanton's does. And I get it. The Blanton's is hard to find. I dumb lucked into it one day into a liquor store and didn't have to pay an arm and a leg for it. So, you know, and it's good stuff. It's not the best stuff in the world. I wouldn't pay more than the $70. But anyways so then monday morning came and monday was our tour our tour is at 10 a.m and it was pouring i mean raining um we got up early to get in line after we went to walmart and got some pachos which was a brilliant idea but i ideal idea by my wife i can i've got the joe biden's tonight um you know and there were still quite a few people waiting but like it was nothing like what we saw on Sunday. And since we had a tour, they actually come out and get you, and you kind of sort of get to bypass the line. Obviously, some people will get in line before you. you know. And based on this, there's a site online that kind of tells, they kind of do percentage, like a, what, what's going to be the special release. Uh, it looked like it was going to be Eagle Rare, and I was kind of like, okay, cool, I only have one bottle, I'll get a couple for me and Brandon or whatever. But um, I I wanted it to be E H Taylor Small Batch. That's my favorite one. And lucky for me, uh, we got in. We were getting our bread. They give you like these little bands that they mark with your tour, and it has a little barcode on it, and they, that's kind of how they track you when you buy stuff. My wife noticed E H Taylor was the release of the day, and and I was elated to say the least. So I was able to get two more bottles for the bar. So I have four. In it, well, I've and opened one in three full ones, which I'm very excited about because I love that bourbon. It's a hard get around here. Um, you know, and that kind of, that made my, I was like, oh, th- this is going to be a great day. The tour was awesome, despite the rain. We got to learn about the origins of the distillery, originally founded by Colonel E.H. Taylor, you know, as OFC distillery, which means Old Fire Copper. He was one of the first people in the, Area to distill using copper stills uh, because he had the money. You know, a lot of people were still using wood stills. And he was the original distiller and designer there until he had some financial trouble, which led to a partnership with George T. Stagg, seeing Stagg take over 99% of the shares of the company at the time, and Taylor holding one due to the fact that it's pretty much his recipe, his whatever, and he was needed for that. Uh, and the really, really cool thing at uh, Buffalo Trace, and same thing at Woodford Reserve, but, you know, I didn't go on a tour, but it's just marked there, and they tell you, is the a lot of the original buildi- buildings that E.H. Taylor had built, um, some of them are still there, but there's a lot of them, unfortunately, that were um, removed by owners before the... The previous owners before today's ownership, but it was it was a very informative tour, uh, not boring to say the least. Uh, you know, you may think, oh, the insides and outs of making bourbon isn't very, but but it is. It's like a you know, it's like a whole. It, it it's just its own thing, and I feel like I could go on and on about all the history, but but I think that's best left to the tour guides. I don't want to ruin it or leave anything out. But if you're into the bourbon lifestyle, I strongly suggest checking out one of the Buffalo um, Trace tours. Uh, I, I was elated to get the, the old Taylor tour. I'd like to go back and, you know, eventually do all the tours. And I think, you know, speaking for all the tours in the area, you know, just the distilleries and such, I think one of my biggest takeaways from that whole experience was there's a real sense of pride in the, the people in that community that they have in the history of their area, the uh, in the bourbon industry and what the bourbon industry means to them locally, nationally, you know, and to see this whole new like Renaissance of bourbon coming back after it was, Dormant for a lot of time because, you know, everyone had switched to rums and vodkas and all that. And bourbon was almost seen as like the old man drink. And maybe, you know, depending where you are, it still is. But it's a really cool thing. And you you hear it in their stories, the way they represent their distillery, their area. It's a very great atmosphere. They love talking about their products and the rich history of each of their distilleries as well as, you know, recommending products and, and explaining, you know, what they like and, hey, what to drink with this and how you can mix this. And it was just, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm super excited to take another trip and see some more of the distilleries in the future, you know. And like I said, if you're into this, I I highly recommend it. You know, I, I don't, I didn't even open any of the bottles I bought till the other day. I didn't do a lot of drinking down there aside from like, you know, a lot of the tastings at the distilleries. It was just such a cool thing to just be able to soak it in and absorb it, you know, and on one of the, on the Buffalo Trace tour, we were going in the, where all the barrels sit, you know, and he was explaining how old the house was and all the boards and all how nothing had been changed and he was like you know we're actually walking on the same wood boards here in the the, on this floor that E.H. Taylor walked in that George T. Stagg walked in that you know Blanton walked and it's it's really cool when you think about that because that's how long they've been there they haven't changed it and um, it's cool it kind of brings it all full circle I thought and it was just like wow you know that's really cool but that's my experience on the bourbon i can't believe i went 30 minutes on that alone and i'm just now getting started this eagle rare seriously is very very good Mm. so unless you live in a cave or under a rock uh here's a story and what i would be I would file it under, you went looking for trouble and you found it. Let's talk about the Ocean Gate Titan. It was reported Thursday uh, that the Ocean Gate Tourist Submersible Titan imploded, resulting in the death of all five people aboard. Uh, For those of you that know, this was a sub that was going down to see the wreckage of the Titanic. Supposedly, it it launched Sunday and had lost contact with the mainland they said after about almost two hours it was last heard from about 900 miles from cape cod massachusetts and like i said it was on its way to see the wreckage of the titanic okay first why on earth would anyone want to be in a 20 foot 21 foot sub traveling underwater that's traveling by remote control from somebody on ground, ground, on dry land. I, I, there's no one I trust enough. Maybe short of the almighty himself. And he would still have to convince me, hey man, it's going to be all right. I'm, I'm not going to wreck you. I'm not going to lose you. Nothing's going to go bad. But um, suppose that this thing was controlled with like a $40 Logitech, con- Logitech controller. And their stock has since crashed. Even though I don't think this is any fault of theirs. But then you're going. You're going to see a shipwreck. I think there's so many documentaries and videos and that you can, like, I don't know. You could you could see it online. You know, the passengers on this uh, included OceanGate CEO Stockton Rush, a British billionaire, and explorer Hamish Harding, a Pakistani billionaire. Shazada Dawoon and his 19 year old son Henry, and his 19 year old son, and then uh, Henry Nargale, a French explorer. Well, it gets interesting here because you know on Thursday morning, Admiral John Mauer, with the United Sorry, I was scratching my face, with the United States Coast Guard, stated that five major pieces of debris had been located. On the seafloor, floor um, about 1600 feet from the wreckage of the titanic he cited that the debris was consistent with that of a catastrophic pressure loss and implosion which means like they did a simula. i saw if you've seen the simulation video that it was like 30 milliseconds and that thing was like you you never know what hits you you just you're gone um the vessel, like I said, they it was reported the vessel lost contact about two hours after it's launched. It was actually reported missing on Sunday. U.S. and Canadian officials and military aided in what they hoped would be a search and rescue mission and told us, you know, initially that's what it was. Um, this sub had made a dozen previous trips over the past two years to the wreckage, charging tourists a measly 250000 per passenger. In 2018 though, more than three dozen oceanographers and deep sea explorers wrote a letter to Oceangate warning them that this experimental approach they had taken to build this thing, which some of it was carbon fiber, uh, could lead to catastrophic consequences for its Titanic dives. You know, and even in the paperwork, Oceangate cites that the Titan was never certified, approved by any regulatory body and that the passengers pretty much have to sign what's called a death waiver by journalist David Pogue. Uh, Pogue was once a passenger and said on his voyage they lost communication almost instantly and they were lost underwater for five and a half hours and never made it to the wreckage site of the Titanic. And like I said, I have no idea what would possess anyone to want to explore such things. I mean, I I like adventure. I like to hike. I like to go to cool places. But not to the point that it challenges common sense. You know, and obviously this is a tragedy. But seriously, on paper, it made no logical sense to be in that sub to start with. You know, maybe this is one of those things where money gives people this sense of immortality or invincibility and they just assume because it costs a lot, it's fine, it's good, it's safe, and maybe you're blinded by your ambition of wanting to say you did something or saw something, you know. And all that, unfortunately, gave way to physics, and now they're actually resting in the very place they were seeking to explore. You know, but there's interesting things to come out of this. Is uh, It was later reported that the U.S., Navy apparently knew Monday that the sub had imploded and that there would be no rescue mission, even though they were telling us they were still looking for them. Uh, You know, none, none of them announced any of this till Thursday afternoon. Many people familiar with the sub construction had said that it likely happened an hour into the voyage, and I believe the U.S. Navy confirmed this although OceanGate maintained that communication had and the location of the sub was known for an hour and 45 minutes after launch. And here's where, like, things take another weird turn. Um, Shazada Dawood, the Pakistani billionaire, was vice chairman for a company, EnGro, who had stakes in two other companies. One, OxyVinyls, which is the company who owned and distributed... The chemicals spilled in the train derailment in Palestine, Ohio, as well as another company, Occidental Petroleum, who had the 61,000 pounds of ammonium nitrate go missing. Kind of makes you wonder, you know, there's rumors that these people faked their deaths or that maybe they were killed or whatever, you know... It, it, it's odd, you know, and I've said this a million times, I personally don't believe in coincidences. I just, I just don't. And, yeah, you know, like I said, that's a tragedy, but I, it, you do things like that. You've got to understand there are, there is so much potential for worst possible outcomes. So it's kind of like, it's only tragic to so, so much, but... That's just one good-looking bourbon-drinking man's opinion. So the other day, I had saw a video where Joe Joe Rogan had had Democrat uh, presidential nominee Robert uh, Robert Robert Kennedy Jr. on. It was a three-hour interview. Uh, well worth the listen if you find the time, if you're into podcasts, if you can stay interested that long. I generally can't, but, you know, I kind of broke it up into pieces and watched over the course of, like, two days. Um, Robert Kennedy Jr. uh, obviously is the son of the late Robert F. Kennedy, who was assassinated in Los Angeles in 1968. As he was running for president, obviously he was the younger brother of John F. Kennedy, who was assassinated in 1965. Uh, in Dallas, you know, uh, RFK, you know, when he was assassinated in in 1968, you know, it was an election he probably would have won, Um, you know, and Robert Kennedy Jr., he's not your typical Democrat. He's an old Democrat, like, kind of back when the parties were not so drift different. You know, I don't know how many of you out there remember these days. uh, It was a long time ago. He's he's brilliant. Um, He's, strangely to me, he's what Democrats in this country need, but they're too obsessed with Trump and pronouns to kind of see what really matters and affects them. I personally could live with uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. as president. He has uh, very outspoken opinions, he he does, on the pandemic. The man hates Fauci. He actually wrote a book, uh, pretty much, it's an indictment of pretty much everything Fauci has been a part of. Uh, you know, he's very outspoken on the government, the CIA. He is very ridiculed in the mainstream media by a lot of other politicians. But the one thing he pointed out, and I have noticed, is seldom do these people who call him a loon or conspiracy theory. no one ever presents facts to actually prove he's wrong about what he says. You know, it's it's just the usual, and he talked about this, how the media can say the same thing over and over again until people kind of just believe the lies they're told. This guy's literally been given no forum to present his ideas, you know, and, and the Dems kind of, they refuse to have him in the debates. They've said Joe Biden wasn't going to be present for debates or anything like that. You know, and they're basically saying Biden can't debate because he can't walk or complete a sentence. And is pretty much a walking corpse that should never have been allowed to hold an office. But here we are. I, I think... Kennedy could possibly restore some dignity to their their party, and that would be a very hard job. That's not an easy job for even anyone to want to try to do. Um, You know, I think he could restore dignity to the White House, and he actually currently has a more favorable rating than anyone currently running on either side, higher than Biden, obviously, higher than Trump, higher than DeSantis, higher than Nikki Haley, Higher than, I don't know, some guy we've never heard of who's in the Green Party or whatever party. But um, I, I think it would be interesting to see this guy start to make some headway. I think at some point they're going to pull Joe Biden. Joe Biden will not be running in 2024. It's There's no feasible way to do that. But, <clears throat> you know, I know we're very, I, I'm very pro-conservative, but, uh, you know, a lot of people on the right aren't good people either. And I think sometimes it's, it's good to listen to all opinions, to hear people from different views, and even to, you know, listen to a lot of the things. And I agree with a lot of the things. You know, I believe a lot of the things he says. But, you know, I, w- I would urge you to check him out. Uh, he's great sound bites. Um, he said very brilliant. His I think he's spot on on the pandemic. I think he's spot on on Fauci. I think he's spot on on the CIA and a lot of the uh, warmongering that kind of works in the underlayers of government. And I think it would be a great disservice to this country if this man was not put on some kind of formal stage and allowed to engage either in debate with Biden, with the Republican candidates. I I think he deserves a a forum, you know, and it's, it's unfortunate that we live in a time and an age where you know and he talks about this how everything's controlled and it's you know there's there's the machine that kind of has wants to predict the outcomes before they you know and give us the sense that we decide and all that but if you get a chance check him out he's got a website like i said he's the he's on the Joe Rogan podcast you can watch it through Spotify or listen to it through Spotify I, I could go in on a lot of the details, but I worry I would get them wrong, and I think it's kind of better to hear it for yourself. But anyways, uh, that's all I got tonight, folks. It's It's been a really hot week here in Wisconsin. I mean, we're talking, like, go check your mail and sweat, kind of heat, humid. Ugh, it's supposed to rain all day tomorrow. I can't tell you the last time it rained here. Ah. <sighs> But that's all I got. Hope you enjoyed it. As always, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Peace.